everyone, welcome to Pit Stops at Podium, the Red Partners podcast, where we talk to execs who have competed in one, taking their companies from high growth to high scale. My name is Brandon Tolson. I am the co-founder and CEO of Red Partners, and I'm delighted to have with me today Aaron Hurst for this edition of Pit Stops to Podium. Welcome, Aaron. Thanks, Brandon. Well, Aaron, I guess we got to know each other, man, it's a long time now, when I was at QA Symphony, working with Dave Kyle. Um, that's probably, what, five or seven years ago, right? Yeah, probably about five, I think, yeah. Okay. Well, and Aaron, just so to introduce you to the community, um, you have a really unique role at a really amazing community called Endeavor. So I'd love for you to share with the audience who Endeavor is, what you're doing, and, and what your role is within the organization. Yeah, happy to do it. So, uh, so I am the founding managing director of Endeavor Atlanta. We are one of 40 Endeavor affiliate offices around the world, and Endeavor is a really unique global organization that selects and supports high-growth entrepreneurs in underserved geographies, and then provides them with the services they need to scale their business no matter where they're located. And then our long-term mission, we're actually set up as a nonprofit, is to dramatically increase the ability for a founder in an underserved geography to create a high-growth, highly scalable, highly valuable venture, creating jobs, creating wealth, and hopefully creating what we'll talk about later, this idea of a multiplier effect that places like Silicon Valley have now become famous for, where you see generations upon generations of innovative companies and entrepreneurs creating and scaling companies. Yeah, I love it. And, and I've been fortunate to see some of the work you've done firsthand and some of the entrepreneurs that are part of the ecosystem. Uh, I think, in fact, we've had a few guests uh, on this podcast that are part of Endeavor. I think about Robin uh, with RoadSync. We talked about Dave, my, my former boss at QA Symphony. And I think Rob Foreman, too, may be involved from, yeah. from SalesLoft. So right. you're doing great work and you have great people around you. Uh, Eric, before we get into the big idea, uh, we do have a tradition here at Pit Stops the Podium, and that's to get to know our guests outside of work. So what are three fun facts that our audience should know about you? Yeah, I'll start with one, my favorite, which always is a fun one at a cocktail party. Um, my wife's name is Erin as well, <laughs> spelled differently. It's E-R-I-N. So she has the traditional female Irish name, and I have the, I guess, Old Testament male spelling. <laughs> but we, so when I, when people, people, you know, we meet them for the first time or we introduce each other, um, I always like to, to say, yes, we're homonyms, and it's like an intelligence test for people. So <laughs> either either they don't understand what that means and they walk away, or, or they do and they have a good laugh. So so that I'd, say, I'd start there. How do you know who to respond to the question in light of the names? How do I know who to respond to? Yeah, oh, well, yeah. The, the first good question. So so it, it's funny. I think within our family, it's you can almost you get good at picking up tones and like who they're talking to. So if they need me. It's like more of a yelling, you know, kind of <laughs> grunting tone, like they need dad or, or they say dad or mom too. They don't usually say Aaron. Um, and I think amongst our family, we also can kind of pick up on tones. And thankfully for individual cell phones, individual emails, we don't have a home. I don't know who has a home phone anymore. <laughs> my parents probably do. Maybe your parents do as well. But uh, thankfully, everything we live in an individualized world. So it doesn't be, become that big of a problem. Well, that's definitely a unique fun fact. What, what else you got? Yeah. So uh, one other one I like to, I think for, for the, the nature of your podcast, I've paid my way through college twice. So I went to Georgia tech undergrad, paid my way out of state through, through college waiting tables, co-oping at a software company hmm. called Manhattan associates. And then I decided to do it all over again and went to grad <laughs> school for my MBA at, at UNC. So not only paid my way through college twice, I dumped a lot of money into the Atlantic coast conference. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that uh, that says a lot. So that, that's really cool. What, what, what's your third? 
third, um, I, I guess in, in, in the spirit of sharing what I like to do. So I have three amazing kids. They're uh, 12, almost 12, almost 10 and six years old. So I love spending time with them. They, they play different sports and have different activities. I love golf. So I'm secret, maybe not so secretly anymore, trying to get at least one of my kids to enjoy golf as much as I do. So that's my, that's my secret mission with, with sports and my kids. How, how's that going so far? You know, it's a work in progress, Brenda. Uh, <laughs> we're, we're, we actually joined um, my board chairman, David Cummings, as an investor and co-founder of something called InTown Golf Club. Yeah. So we were lucky enough to recently uh, join, and it's simulated golf. So my son loves video games, my oldest son, of course, so he plays Fortnite or whatever. And, and so this is like the perfect entry to golf is to go play simulated golf, you know, for an hour versus a five-hour round, you know, in 95-degree heat in the summer. That's a great spot. It's a great strategy for uh, for your we'll ultimate goal. I, I don't know if it is. It, or it's it's work in progress. Hopefully, it will it will work. That's great. Well, Aaron, as always, it's it's fun to hear a little bit about our guest outside of just the work context. So, thank you for sharing. Uh, let, let's transition to the big idea. We you know we kind of tease it out with what you do today from an endeavor perspective, but I think this is a really powerful um, topic, especially for the entrepreneurs in our audience, and it's really around you know why and our entrepreneurial community is important. Um, and what we always like to do is kind of park on three key areas, but before we get into why it's so important, let's, let's actually, let's dive in that why. Let's get in the context um, in light of what you've done, uh, what you share with this audience. Yeah, yeah. so the idea of entrepreneurial communities um, or what we call communities at Endeavor aren't, aren't new. I think people often call them ecosystems. Um, they take different forms. Sometimes it's a program that you join. Sometimes it's an accelerator where you're maybe giving up equity in your company to be a part of a community. So there's lots of sort of shapes and forms for what they, they might look like, you know, in your industry or for your type of company or in your geography. Um, but to, to, to kind of jump into the why is it important? Um, these, these communities are really how, you know, you, you, you tend to see thriving entrepreneurial, you know, uh, hubs form. And sometimes traditionally those hubs are physical and meaning they're in certain geographies, like we talked about, you know, a minute ago with Silicon Valley, but you've seen that happen in other places, uh, mainly along the coast in the U S but in other places like Tel Aviv and Israel or London or, you know, other parts of Europe and, and, and Asia. Um, but yeah, the idea of community of, of having a place, you know, and, and it could be a digital place too, where you can, meet like-minded founders or entrepreneurs. You can get the resources you need, whether it's capital, it's mentors or advisors, it's talent, or maybe it's even early customers. Um, it's such an important thing. And then if you think about how these, you know, these, these entrepreneurs and then these communities, you know, spawn more companies and inspire others and kind of pay forward. Um, and I will talk about it later. It's such an important um, concept for how economies grow, right? So if, if one founder sort of scales, has success, you know, doesn't mentor anybody, doesn't invest any capital, I'll take kind of the extreme, you know, opposite end of what we're looking for, um, isn't a part of a community. Think of all the lost opportunities for their knowledge, you know, for their inspiration of their story, for, you know, if they didn't give any equity to anybody, that's obviously a personal decision. There's the wealth, you know, kind of generation piece of it. Um, and, and just their expertise, right? It's, it's gone, it's all kind of gone and locked up, you know, and it doesn't go to the next generation. So I think there's a, a, a kind of a important societal component to, to entrepreneurial communities as well. 
Yeah, I think you, you, I mean, you probably hear more than I do, but there is a, a loneliness factor of being an entrepreneur and like isolation. And I mean, regardless of how big the company is, I mean, at, at that level, uh, it's not always easy to share within your four walls. And so having that outside trusted advisors uh, who are cohorts in, in terms of their responsibilities can, I'm sure, add immense value in a lot of different areas. Yeah, for sure. And so, yeah, at a, at a founder or entrepreneur level, right, there's, I think, three main things that 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 these communities really are, you know, add a lot of value for or why they're really important. One is speed, right? So it doesn't matter if you're creating a, you know, a local restaurant. We just talked about our, our local restaurant, The Grove, uh, here in Decatur, um, or, a, you know, highly scalable venture-backed software company. You're, you're fighting against time all the time, right? Um, and so have, being a part of a community or a network, whatever word you want to use or an ecosystem or, or an ex, if it turns into it ends up being an accelerator, whatever, those, those networks are geared, should be geared if you're in the right ones to help you, you know, speed up your ability to learn, your ability to find the right connections, right? Whether it's for capital or for advisors or for new talent or maybe new customers or new markets. Um, so I think speed is a big big reason why, you know, finding your, your entrepreneur community, the right one for you and your company is important. The second one is it's important to have some mechanism to pull yourself out of the day-to-day of your business as an entrepreneur. We see it all the time. Um, I'm sure in the companies you work with, especially the earlier stage ones, you probably see it all the time. I think what you guys do at, at Rev Partners is helping in some ways, helping, uh, you know, companies get out of the weeds from a revenue operations perspective, which is awesome. But these communities can help you do that, right? They can get you 10, 20, 30,000 feet up and go, well, okay, wait a minute. If I you know, hired these other two people, instead of just trying to do it all myself, I could really focus more on the next 12 to 18 months of my company versus like just surviving the next two to three days, right? Um, I think a good community will do that for, for, for entrepreneurs. And then the third, I think you mentioned a minute ago is stress management. So, you know, it's, it is being a founder is the loneliest thing I think in the world. I, I like to say it's one of the most courageous things a human can do, right. Is to start a company from zero. So having a community of other people who are going through the exact same journey is super important because there's few people, if any, that you can talk to, you can't always talk to your investors. You can't always talk to your spouse or significant other or your family. You can't necessarily talk to your co-founders, right? So if you have a community of others uh, that you can connect with and, even just share war stories is, is, is hugely important. That's yeah, pretty compelling and uh, resonates with me for sure. Um, well, and I'm curious too, Aaron, just in terms of, you know, with what's happened in the world with COVID and people being remote, um, you know, you mentioned kind of physical and digital. I'd just be curious to see you know, your, your take on, has it, has it, emphasize how important this is as a result of what's been going on. Um, just, I'd love to hear your observations of community in the context of COVID and um, some of the, the observations you've seen uh, over the last few years. Yeah, it's, it's a really interesting time for sure to think about community, um, especially for entrepreneurship. Um, yeah, I think both are important. I think COVID certainly has shined a light on, you know, humans ability to, kind of push through a time where we can't be together in person, which is, you know, amazing, you know, in itself, obviously fueled by technology. So if we didn't have Zoom and other, you know, and internet technologies to make that happen, it would have been a, a 
pretty dark time for the last couple of years, even though it obviously has been dark uh, on its own. Um, I, I, it's been interesting as we've, as we got, you know, up towards the last six to 12 months of, of the two year COVID period, the entrepreneurs we work with have, I would say unanimously asked for more in person, right? So human connection, there's just something magical about being in a room with people, especially if it's a group of people that you trust and they're a part of a community that you trust and that you value. And it's a group of like-minded, you know, people or maybe have differing opinions, but, you know, share maybe similar goals and, and sort of use the world um, there. You can't kind of, you can't get that over a zoom. Right. Um, and, and so our entrepreneurs now are asking for more in-person events. I don't think I've ever heard, you know, you don't, you, you usually don't hear a busy entrepreneur asking for, Hey, Aaron, can I go to this? Can I go to more events? We actually have that happening right now, which is, is pretty, I kind of, I think that kind of tells you the, the missing the thing that people have been missing the last few years. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. So thanks for sharing. I was just curious to know your observations. So we yeah. talked about what the intent of a, of a community is for. We talked about why it's important. You know, so I imagine there are a lot of listeners out here and entrepreneurs that are pretty convicted about that they should do it. And so let's talk about like, how do you figure out which is the right community for you? Yeah, it's a great question. I think the first step is really understanding the kind of business that you are building, right? And And what I mean by that is, what, what trajectory, you know, do you, is your business on today and where do you want to take it into the future? Um, there are lots of different business types. I tend to boil it down to four different types of businesses. Um, we actually have a pre-endeavor program called scale up both in Atlanta and Birmingham, Alabama, where we help the founders. It's a seed to series a stage sort of program. We help those founders actually figure out where, what path they're on at a very detailed level, which has been really interesting. Thing. So the four types are high growth. So think of venture backable businesses. I always remind entrepreneurs that type of company is, you know, very, very rare. It's I think less than 2%, right. That actually go on to raise institutional venture capital. So I think, unfortunately, we live in a time where um, it's sexy to be venture backed. Maybe it's always been sexy, but I don't think we've ever had a sexier time to, you know, right. to announce your series a or your seed <laughs> round or your D round. Um, and, but most businesses aren't that type of business. So um, I, I kind of caveat high growth is, you know, maybe we should have put that at the bottom because that's the least, you know, that's the, the least common business. The next one I'll say is a bootstrapped growth business. So these are companies that, you know, given the market that they're in or the product that they're building or the service they offer, they don't necessarily have to go out and raise capital, but they can continue to grow really nicely there may be an opportunity in the future where they can bring in a growth equity or private equity type of investor to help them scale even further. You often see companies that end up doing roll-up strategies later on, kind of fitting in that bucket. So not quite venture, high growth, hyperscale, whatever word you want to use, but but still growing quickly and and you know, but 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 can maybe call their shots, if you will, because the market, you know, dictates that. The third kind of company is I call them quick exits. So maybe a very competitive market. Um, Maybe your company's a little bit late to that market, um, or there's others that have kind of scaled very quickly, or your niche it got really small quickly given other entrants into the market. So it's something you, you know, kind of have to think about doing something with quickly over the next few years. And then the fourth, I sh again, maybe I should have started here. Most common business type is a self-sustained business, right? This could be anything from kind of the local restaurant or boutique retail store to an e-commerce business that makes certain products for a very specific audience. You, you know, you kind of think small TAM, 
um, but can be profitable, uh, may not have the greatest margins, but could be an amazing business, right? Um, so I think the first step is figuring out what kind of business are you building? Where, what, what kind of business do you want to build? And then that really should dictate the type of community that you should join. So if you're building a self-sustaining business, you shouldn't apply to tech stars, right? right. Um, if you are building a tech stars kind of high growth venture business, then sure, that's a fantastic opportunity or YC or whatever other accelerator you wanted to, you know, to pursue. Um, I'd also add, there's lots of industry vertical specific, um, programs and communities that people can join. And then there's ones that are, I would almost, they're more horizontal across entrepreneurs. So organizations like EO, which Atlanta has a very active thriving chapter. I think the quality can vary depending on geography, but EO is a great organization globally that entrepreneurs can get involved with. And you could be a high growth business, but you might also be a nice self-sustaining business, right? Um, and, and you still could commiserate and be in community with entrepreneurs across different types of companies. Yeah, I like that. It, it, I think what it does is it gives people permission. And I think what you were describing earlier is the perception is that this is exclusive for that VC backed hyper growth or high growth, however you want to categorize it. But the reality is that there are communities for all different types of companies. And, and this community concept uh, should be for everyone because the need, as you described earlier, um, it is is for all these different types of categories. And so understanding who you are and accepting that and not being, <laughs> I think it's an important part. And then ultimately creating that community around you to have like-minded individuals in a similar type of industry or category or segment. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah. There's, there's nothing worse than like I mentioned a minute ago than, you know, seeing entrepreneurs that are spending tons of time applying to venture, you know, type accelerators or, thinking that they're on maybe a high growth venture path and they're really not right. Like that's, that's, that's kind of the worst outcome where, you know, you're, you're asking for resources and being in community with, with folks that your business just isn't the right fit for. And maybe you're even, if you're lucky enough to get capital, you now have investors that aren't necessarily aligned with the path that your business might be on. So it reminds me of, we had a previous guest, Charlie Paparelli, also in the Atlanta area, kind of angel investor. And he yeah. talked about, you know, every, or every services company wants to be a software company. Every software company wants to have a services company. And it's just like, stay in your lane. And it kind of reminds yeah. me of that, of like, <laughs> accept who you are and be okay with it and, and really yeah. own it and start to pursue it. So I think that's a really good reminder. Um, so we talked a little bit about why it's important. We talked about, you know, if you're an entrepreneur or founder, how do you find the right community for you? Uh, but let's talk about, you know, the impact, meaning how do you, we talked a little about giving it forward and multiplier effect, but let, let's, let's flesh it out a little bit further uh, as to what can happen when you pursue these communities. Yeah. And, and, you know, given that Endeavor focuses on high growth, you know, venture backable types of companies, I'll, I'll, I'll use that lens, but I think this apply that can apply to, you know, the other kind of four or the other three types of businesses that we just talked about. Um, so, so focusing more on high growth businesses and, and, and communities for high growth businesses. I think most people don't realize unless they're involved in, you know, high growth technology businesses or in venture that Silicon Valley, you know, the San Francisco Silicon Valley area was really just a rural tiny farm town as late as the early 1960s. Right. And all it took was a couple of really ambitious um, early Silicon chip entrepreneurs, founders to really kind of push the limits on what they thought they could do, scale their business. And then the most important part, instead of disappearing once they had success with companies like Fairchild Semiconductor, they paid it forward. So you had 
the founders of Kleiner Perkins kind of spawn off of that early, you know, Silicon uh, uh, chip company days. You had Intel get founded by those, you know, some of those founders. You had the first check written to Steve Jobs and 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 Wozniak at Apple was from folks that were at Intel, right? Um, I can't remember the gentleman's name. So it didn't take a lot. It it was literally just a couple of you know companies that scaled, went big, and then plugged back their time, their money, their knowledge, their credibility back into that one ecosystem. And then you compound that over 60 years. And now you have this, you know, area that's population wise is I think smaller than Metro Atlanta, but has created, you know, some of the most innovation, most, most technology here, all, you know, most of the technology the world uses today and the internet, et cetera, it, it, it comes from one little tiny spot in Northern California. It's kind of, it's kind of crazy to think about. So I think if you kind of zoom out on that concept, right, it doesn't take many big successes where you have this paying it forward happening to really transform an economy. And that's, that's what Endeavor tries to do. Right. And it's in each, each geography's own unique way. So we're not taking, you know, uh, everything has to be like Silicon Valley kind of lens to places like Atlanta or Argentina or Spain or South Africa, like each culture and each ecosystem is different. But this idea of obviously thinking big, getting the right support and community behind you to make that happen uh, and the resources you need to scale, but then paying it forward, you know, that anybody can do that. It just takes time and kind of concentrated focus. Yeah, I like, I like giving that lens of the Silicon Valley, uh, what it was, you know, 67 or 50, 60 years ago to what it is now. Um, and since we're both in Atlanta and you're focusing on Endeavor Atlanta, I think it'd be really cool to kind of get that practical. You mentioned every every G is a little bit different in terms of how it can manifest itself. But I think there's a fun Atlanta story uh, that that would be good for our audience to hear. Yeah. So so in Endeavor, we call this the multiplier effect. This idea that you know a a few individuals or a few companies that are run obviously by a few individuals or by people uh, can have just an outsized imp impact on an ecosystem. And Atlanta's had some great entrepreneurs. But one that comes to mind, and you know, selfishly, he's 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 my board chairman at Endeavor Atlanta. But he he has demonstrated this for, for our ecosystem. That's David Cummings. So you know, David has founded multiple companies. Pardot was kind of his first big one that he scaled. You know, not to a huge size of employees or even revenue, but you know, had a very successful you know outcome financially. And instead of kind of disappearing or you know keeping his money and not doing anything with it back in the ecosystem. He bought, you know, the old Atlanta Business Chronicle building, which is now the Atlanta Tech Village, to create a home, a physical community for tech startups in Atlanta. Before WeWork existed, before accelerators in Atlanta really existed, right? Um, he invested really early in companies that I'm sure local investors probably looked at and went, there's no way I'll write a check, <laughs> you know? And now several of those are unicorns, like Callan Lee and Salesloft, right? He's had other successes with Terminus and Rigor and, you know, countless others. And then he's, he has mentored, you know, probably thousands of entrepreneurs over the last decade, you know, as he, you know, exited Pardot, started the tech village, and then, you know, is just constantly in community with entrepreneurs. And that's one person, that's one person, obviously he had an amazing team at Pardot, um, but one person, you know, in a team that scaled Pardot and then had that success and paid it forward. And, you know, think of all the jobs and all the revenue and the wealth creation that is generated off of just that. And so if Atlanta can do that, 
you know, two or three more times even, let alone more than that, think of the impact that that's going to have on our region. And the fun thing to see too, you know, it's this idea of community almost, when you sign up for a community, you're kind of signing up for paying it forward, right? If you join a, you know, a, a church organization or a, you know, something in your community, or you join the PTA or a board of a nonprofit, like you're, you know, you're, you're going to, you're going to, you're paying it forward in some way. Um, or if you're going to benefit from a community, you're, you know, okay, once I have success, if I have success, I'm going to pay it forward later. Right. Um, and so um, that's, that's a huge, big, important reason why joining community is important too, because it kind of plugs you into something that you can pay forward later. Right. Once you have success. Yeah. It becomes bigger than yourself. And I think it, exactly. um, and that's one of the beauties of entrepreneurship and, and ultimately these communities is that it not only transforms the individual, but it transforms the community, not only your, your micro community, but ultimately a city, uh, which about yeah. what happened with Silicon Valley and that ultimately cha- <laughs> disrupts the world and changes the world. And you're seeing that, as you mentioned with David Cummings in Atlanta, um, you see that impact, um, permeate throughout the city and, you know, Atlanta being known for kind of fortune 500 type companies, established brands of, you know, Delta, Coke, Home Depot, et cetera, uh, as now a thriving software technology community. Uh, and, and so it's really just neat to see how these, to your point, the multiplier effect can really, uh, shape and change culture. Yeah, absolutely. And back to your question about, you know, COVID and going digital for a few years. One of the fun positive outcomes of that is is our work in the Southeast region. So I have a couple of employees on my team in Birmingham. But now, you know, we have amazing mentors here in Atlanta that are helping a smaller market like Birmingham that's, you know, more nascent, does, hasn't had as many kind of big wins in the tech community. You know, we're our, our, our Endeavor entrepreneurs in Atlanta and some of our mentors and board members are mentoring those Birmingham companies. And they're, you're all in the same community. You're you're in this community of high growth entrepreneurs. So, it, it, who cares if you're in Atlanta or South Africa or Birmingham, uh, and everybody can hop on a Zoom call? So that seeing that kind of barrier break down, I think over the last couple of years has been amazing, and that it's been really fun to see the impact that our kind of later stage entrepreneurs, guys like Dave Kyle, you know, your former boss, you know, CEO of QA Symphony, um, that they're having now that they're paying it forward by you know mentoring the, the, the up and coming entrepreneurs that we're working with. Yeah, that's great. It's beautiful. Well, Aaron, I really appreciate you coming on board and uh, being on the podcast. Uh, I'm convicted and I'm, I'm sure a lot of folks uh, that are listening are as well. So, you know, I know there, you mentioned the four communities endeavors really focused on that kind of scale up uh, or high growth uh, VC back. So what will be a practical next step for folks in our audience that kind of fit that category, either in your scale-up program or your more established program, uh, what's the next step they can take from an Endeavor perspective and also as it relates to you? Yeah, so the beauty of Endeavor is there's there's not a formal application, so they can just send me an email. It's aaron.hurst at endeavor.org, um, and you know, we can grab coffee to talk about their company. We For the full Endeavor you know, network and community that you joined for life, we tend to focus on high-growth sort of series A or right before series A stage companies and scale up, like I said, it's C to series A, but uh, scale up does have an application. We're actually closing the Atlanta one uh, this week. So it's probably, you know, unless you're really on, uh, on it, getting your podcast out, Brendan, they might miss the, this year's cohorts uh, <laughs> deadline. Um, and Birmingham just closed at the end of last month, but, um, and we'll be announcing companies that are selected soon, but yeah, feel free to email me um, or, or go to our website and yeah, would love to meet with any entrepreneur. 
Well, I think the beautiful thing that you said too is that Endeavor is global, uh, and so you know, it, any from our audience, regardless of where you are, um, there's like a, a way in which you can connect and, and learn more. So uh, don't feel like you're excluded if you're not in Aaron's territory, because there's a lot of great resources out there. Uh, but Aaron, thank you so much for sharing a little bit about your story, about the Endeavor story, and the power of community. Really do appreciate you coming on. Thanks a lot for having me, Brendan.